Hello and welcome to the Horizon Church podcast. We exist to see lives transformed through Jesus and are located in the heart of Surrey, BC, Canada. To find out more, visit us at horizonchurch.ca. We hope this message blesses and inspires you. feeling the love in this space and thank you Pastor Craig and Pastor Shanda for uh, amazing opportunity to just be with you guys and um, I feel just so blessed to be here. Um, yeah, let's, let's jump into it this morning. Um, got some scripture to read, we're going to pray together and we'll see where the Lord takes us. Um, and we're going to read um, Ephesians chapter 2 quickly. Um, this familiar passage to most of us, we're going to read a few scriptures and um, and then we'll build from there, if that's okay. Ephesians chapter 2 says, As for you, this is Paul writing to the church of Ephesus. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. Nice opening, Paul, thank you. In which you used to live, you used to live when you, were fo- when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh, and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace that you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. In order that in the coming ages, listen to this, he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus, to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for this moment that we can engage this way in your word, by your spirit, God, that we can be together, that even though we may be physically alone right now, we're not alone, we're together, we're one in you. It's your spirit that is the bond between us. So we just continue to ask that you lead us by your spirit, through your word, that we would be challenged, we would be encouraged, we would be shaped, and that we would no longer be who we were, but continue to grow into who you've called us to be by your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'm really pumped to be here. Um, I really feel like God has placed something on my heart for you guys this morning. And um, it has a lot to do with what God has been sharing with me, with our family, with our church. Um, but I really think it, it lines up with what God is sharing to you guys, as if God is exclusively sharing things, one community to another. It's his voice. It's one voice speaking to his church. And so I'm confident that what God is saying through his word to us as a community uh, downtown is what God is saying to his church. And what God is saying to you guys is what he's saying to us, that he's bringing us into unity. And uh, your pastors have been leading you through um, this passage of scripture, this idea that Jesus gives, and it's a very, very famous passage of scripture. Come to me all who are weary, right? And I will give you rest. I will um, take my yoke upon you. Um, 
before it's easy and it's light. And the way that the message translation puts it this way, um, he says, are you tired? Are you worn out? Burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and recover your life. And I'll show you how to take a rest, a real rest. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn. Underline that if you have a Bible or highlight that if you're reading on your, on your phone. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace, and I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. I've always been intrigued by this idea of what it means to be a lifelong learner, right? This person that continually learns, that stacks skills and, and, and knowledge for the rest of their life. You know, I was always inspired by people that had a book in their hand, whether I was reading about them or saw them on a, a film or encountered them in real life. It always inspired me to continue to grow in knowledge. And a lifelong lear learner can be defined this way, as someone who keeps acquiring new knowledge, skills, and capabilities well past their formal education years. So this is key, right, because I think we think implicitly growing up, we go through K to 12, and some of us go to post-secondary education. Shout out to PLBC, formal education. There we go. Um, and then we get what we need, and we go live our lives. We, 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 we understand what it takes to do the thing that we need to do, and then we kind of just leave it there. And if we get inspired by a thing or two, then we might use that as what we need to move forward. But a lifelong learner never stops learning. What I knew yesterday is not good enough for today or good enough for tomorrow. So I've got to keep on growing and keep on learning. And Jesus says, I want to teach you about grace. You know, I think sometimes we can use this scripture and say, I, I, I need some rest. I need this burden to be taken off of me. And so we go to Jesus, like as we would go to something on an afternoon to get a break from life. Right, we go to him just for a moment to say, God, I need this taken off of my shoulders. But Jesus says, come walk with me. Come work with me. Learn from me. And I will teach you, listen, the implication is over the course of a lifetime, the unforced rhythms of grace. So I want to build today, and hopefully we have time for this, on the idea of grace. We're going we're gonna to go back to the beginning. We're going to build some, some theology here, and then we're going to move from there to see what God is saying to us today about what maybe you're walking through in your personal life or what you're walking through as you look out the window and you look on the news and see what's going on in the world, that God actually has something profound to say through his word about what we're going through. We've heard this over and over and over again that these are unprecedented times. But actually nothing is unprecedented when it comes to what God has said. He's given us everything we need to walk through everything we're going through. So we have to know that if we're going to walk in our identity as believers, as people who are the children of God, we have to know how we got our identity. It says very clearly, John 1, verse 12, it says, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. It's as simple as that. It's by grace, simply by believing in him that we become children of God. So the beauty of Jesus and as we just read in Ephesians chapter 2, it says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourself. It is the gift of God. We did nothing to earn it, nothing to deserve it. We believe in him by faith. We receive grace. This is what it means to be saved or to be born again, as Jesus put it, into the family of God. It is by grace, the free gift and favor of God, that we become children of God. Doctrine, check. This is it. 
may sound very simple, to you, but that's the point. But here's the thing, that this has incredible implications for how we live our lives. Not just, not just for how we got in, but how we live when we're in. It's not enough how to, to know how we got into the family of God. We need to know how to operate as the family of God. See, grace isn't just our ticket into the household of God. It's what our entire new life is now framed by. Grace. It's by grace that we're saved, and it's by grace that we're sustained. See, Philippians 4, Paul puts it this way. He says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have, listen, learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know that it, what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in, in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, whether pre-pandemic, mid-pandemic, post-pandemic, I know what it looks like to live in the grace of God. I can do all this who gives me strength. That's what he learned. But here's the thing. Paul didn't learn that in the classroom. He learned that in real life. He learned when things were great how to live in his grace. He, he learned when things weren't, weren't great how to live in his grace. But he needed those moments of greatness and non-greatness to learn. Here's what we can glean from the scripture. God is teaching us on planet earth right now, his children, how to live in his grace. The secret, Paul says, is God's grace. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. That is another way to say I can do all of this by his grace. He learned to live in grace. Paul says in, in, in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, he says, when I was a child, I thought like a child, a reason like a child. But when I became a man, I had to think and reason like a man. You've heard this phrase before of when you look at a, a young person or someone who is ma mature for their age and you say they, they had to grow up quickly. You know, usually that person has gone through some hard circumstances in their life and it, it shaped them as they move forward. I really believe that God is asking his church to grow up quickly. There were seasons when we were able to think like a child, but now we're called to think like grown-ups. And it has nothing to do with your physical age. It has nothing to do with how long you've actually known Jesus. He's calling us somewhere as a church. This is a season that we need to grow up as the body of Christ for everyone. This isn't... This isn't pastors looking at people and saying grow up. In fact, it starts with us, leaders first. We need to grow up. See, this idea of lifelong learning isn't, uh, or, or the call to maturity isn't to abandon or graduate from the things we knew at first, but to grow in them. You, you, you don't get out of Bible school and say, I got everything I need. In fact, anybody that has gone out of Bible school, that, that's when life starts. You start learning at that point. Still go to Bible school. Shout it again, PLBC. <laughs> See, grace isn't just the explanation of our salvation, but it's an experience we're called to grow in and continue to live in. 
It's by grace we've been saved, but it's also, listen, for grace that we have been saved. Let me say it one more time. It's by grace that we have been saved. We, we, we nailed that down. But it's also for grace that we have been saved. We'll talk about that more a little bit later. I believe that the purpose of Jesus on the earth right now is to renew us in encounters with his grace. He's teaching us grace. This isn't just for the unbeliever. You know, we know that Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. But I believe this is also for the church. He's actually showing us what it means to live in his grace, to encounter his grace again, to make our way back to living in and from his grace. He's teaching us the secret like Paul. The question is, are we learning? Are we bridging the gap from weakness to strength? Paul says, when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Why? Because it's his grace that I receive when I'm weak. And here comes the most favorited scripture and passage in all of scripture, James 1. Yeah, one laugh. Someone reads their Bible. Your pastor reads the Bible. That's good. James chapter 1, verse 2. Consider it pure joy. My brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Now, because of the foundation we built, we can, we can translate this a little bit. Because you know that the testing of your faith, faith is the environment in which you receive grace. So I want you to read it this way. Because you know that the ability to receive grace, the environment that produces the ability to receive grace produces perseverance. Consider it joy when you have an environment that puts you in a position where you need to receive the grace of God. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. There's that lifelong learning thing again. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. Another definition of grace. And it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. If you want to underline that word receive, such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. So the test, the testing of your faith, there's a, there's a test for you and I. And the test isn't just whether or not you have faith, but what's on the other side of the faith? What do we receive with our faith, we receive grace. The test is your ability to receive grace. What God is testing us in right now on planet Earth is whether or not we're actually receiving his grace. Living in and empowered by him. Are we passing? Are we learning? The test isn't, by the way, to show us that we're failures. The test is showing us where we need to learn where we need to grow so that we can go back and learn the material so that we can pass the test. So there's a difference between earning God's grace, which we know we cannot do. There's a difference between earning and receiving God's grace. You cannot earn God's grace. It's a free gift. It can't be done. This is, this is the foundation of our faith. This is what separates Jesus from any other claim to deity ever. You don't earn his favor, you receive his favor. 
You can, though, receive his grace. But you also need to know that you can also not receive his grace. Hebrews 12, verse 15, says it this way. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God. Other translations put it this way. See to it that no one fails to receive the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause any trouble to defile many. My question for you today is this. Are you in position to receive the grace of God? That's a trick question. Yes, we all are. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We're all in position to receive the grace of God. I think a better question is this. Are you postured to receive the grace of God? Someone could hand me a gift but my hands aren't open to receive it. I'm not getting that gift. Same idea of forgiveness. God has forgiven everybody on the cross. We have to receive his forgiveness for it to have any implication in your life. Be open to what he has for you. And the, to, to, to ask the question differently, are you postured to receive the grace of God? Are you aware of your need for the grace of God? Are you willing to admit that you cannot sustain life in your own hands? To the trial you're going through or you're about to go through. Many of us take these words and only apply them to what we have known or what we currently know, but God also prepares us for what we're about to go through. The trial you're going through or about to go through is an opportunity to receive God's grace in a way that you haven't formerly considered. You're learning something new. Any new opportunity that is, is impossible for you to make it through, any trial that you go through, James says, is a testing of your faith, the testing of whether or not you have a paradigm for the grace that God wants to give you in that trial. See, some of us have been at this for a while, right? Like we think we're, we're King Solomon and we say there's nothing new under the sun. I've seen it all before. And then something hits that we haven't seen before. So none of us can say, none of us were here in 1918 or 1908 whenever the Spanish flu came. Am I getting my dates correct, teachers? 18, there you go, first one. Should have trusted myself. We don't know what it's like to live in these times. It's a prompt for us to say we need to know something new about who God is to sustain us in these times. God is doing a new thing. Can we perceive it, Scripture says. The new thing isn't a new thing to him. It's a new thing to us. Our environment has changed. Therefore, the application of our relationship with God needs to change. It's been said that grace catches those who fall, right? But grace also lifts up those who bow. We know, and I think it's like it's 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 easy to use the word grace when we slip or mess up or 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 or, or don't do the thing that we need to do, or someone who's walking in a lifestyle that, that isn't pleasing to the Lord. We say God's grace, like God's grace will carry you through. God's grace is enough. God's grace, but but we don't need to fall to receive God's grace. We we don't need to mess up to receive all the thing that He has for us. Grace lifts up and empowers those who bow. Bowing being a posture of humility to say that I cannot do this without you, God. Praying, crying out for him, searching scripture for his words of life. 
God, I need you. God is bringing us back to that place. We can get on our knees and say, God, I'm not going to wait to fall before I put myself in a position to receive everything that you have for me. And what I've received thus far is incomparable to the things I want to receive moving forward. See, I think that we are in a setup. God is setting his church up. God is preparing his church for things we haven't seen before, for things we haven't known. But he's preparing us. He's showing us the way. He's showing us what it looks like for things to be empowered by him and not by us. You know, we have this, this story in the Old Testament about this guy named Gideon. Many of us know who he is, but for those who don't, Gideon, uh, it was this time where, where, where there was judges in, in Israel, that they were, there, were, there was men and women that God raised up to lead. And he would empower them and, and, and use them to make himself known to the nation, to his people. But Gideon was described as a man who was kind of cowardly and a man who didn't have what it took, naturally speaking, to be the person that God had called them to be. And we're going to read this story, Judges chapter 6, start in verse 11. Um, it says this, The angel of the Lord came down and sat under the oak in Ophrah that belonged to Joash the Abiezrite. Ab Ironically, that was not right, it was wrong where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep from the Midianites, to keep from the Midianites. He was hiding. He was cowardly. He was, he was, he was shrinking back. It says, when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Oh, how many times have I heard the Lord is with you to myself, read it in scripture and just brushed it off. Yeah, I've heard that all my life. Yeah. This is what God specifically gave to Gideon. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied. But if the Lord is with us, why has this happened to us? I thought God was good. Why am I going through times that are not good? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least of my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving no one alive. What happens here is that God goes to a man who is a coward and says, you are a warrior. I love this. It reminds me of like any great sports movie, any great war movie where, where, where someone gets inspired and then the montage starts, right? Like Rocky running up the stairs in Philadelphia, like the scenes of him punching, like this montage of greatness starts. He starts to understand who he is. And Gideon has a montage too. Judges chapter 7, the Lord said to Gideon, you have too many men. I can't deliver Midian into their hands. 
or Israel would boast against me, saying, my strength has saved me. Now announce to the army, anyone who trembles with fear may turn back and leave Mount Gilead. So 22,000 men left with 10,000 men remaining. And he says, that's too much. We got to go lower. So I want you to take these people to go drink. And those who drink out of their hands like dogs, you're going to keep them. You're going to lap it up. Those who drink straight from the water source, they're going to go home. You seen this montage happen? Thousands and thousands and thousands of people start walking away. God said, you're a mighty warrior. I'm going to use this army to save the nation. And then they start trickling away. Talk about attrition. He's at like 1% of what he had. This does not make for a good Disney movie. <laughs> Verse 8, chapter 7, it says, So Gideon sent the rest of the Israelites home, but kept 300, who took over the positions and trumpets of the others. Why would God put Gideon in a position of weakness? Why would God say, these all got to go? Why would God put Gideon in a position of perceived lack? Why today are we in a position where we didn't have what we thought it took to do the thing we thought God was calling us to? Why does God give us dreams that are impossible to accomplish? Situations that are too difficult to make it through? Why would God put an impassable body of water between Israel and the promise? Why would God let that painful thing happen to me? Why would God allow all the chaos in the world right now? See, when God called a weak man a warrior, he knew how to bring him into his true identity. And his ability to learn and to lean on the grace of God was what enabled him to become a mighty warrior that God said him was. God said he was. See, the thing is, the people didn't leave on their own accord. Gideon sent them away. He obeyed God to the tune of attrition. 1% of what he had remained. God tested his ability to lean on his grace. See, when God called Gideon a warrior, Gideon knew it wasn't going to happen in his own strength. Something clicked in his mind and said, if God has called me to this, God is going to get me through this. So I'm going to lean on him and obey him no matter what it costs me. In fact, Gideon, here's the thing, partnered with God. He didn't say, God, you can take all you want. He said, no, I'm going I'm to push away everything God's called me to push away because it's God who's going to be made known in this. See, what does it say? In verse 2, Judges chapter 7, you have too many men. I cannot deliver Midian into their hands. I cannot do it, God says, or Israel would boast against me and say, my own strength has saved me. Is that familiar language to you? What does Paul say? It is the gift of God. So that it's not by works, so that no man can boast. God is putting us, his people and his church, into a position where we cannot say that this was done by our own strength. The problem is. I think we've been in places where we could say this is our own strength. This is our innovation. This is, this is a great way of thinking. This is a great, great way to move forward. And God is saying, no, that's not what I want to do on the earth. 
I want to display my power and my grace through my people, but it's going to take you being in a position to be able to steward what I've placed in your life. See, Ephesians 2, we go back. God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. I said before, it's by grace that we've been saved, but it's also for grace that we were saved. He wants to display his incomparable riches of his grace to you and to me. He wants to pour out his grace on the church. See, we are primed for revival and renewal. This earth is waiting for the revealing of the sons and daughters of God. But how are we sons and daughters of God? By grace. God wants to change this planet through his church. Those who are saved by grace and now who live in God's grace. God is saying it, his works will be done on this earth by his grace. My works will be done by my grace. The incomparable riches, incomparable, my goodness. Incomparable riches of his grace. Have you ever thought to yourself what I have gone through in my life? Horrible circumstances. Was worth it. Because of what I've now found in Jesus. Is that anybody's testimony here? What I've gone through is okay. Because I've found something incomparable to that pain in him. He gave me everything I needed. He's way greater. The worst day with him is better than the best day without him. Ephesians 3. This is so clear in scripture. Verse 10. His intent. This is his intent. It's what he wants to do on the planet. Through you, through me, through this church, Horizon Church, to the church in Surrey, Vancouver, Canada, U.S., yes, U.S., and beyond. This is what he's doing. He's setting us up for his grace. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. It can't get any clearer in scripture what God is doing in this planet right now. He's setting you up. He's setting your family up. He's asking you to get in a position of weakness to receive his strength. Because what he wants to do tomorrow is going to rock this world. The amount of people that are going to know him and see him through you, through your family, through this church, it's untold. If you feel like you do not have what it takes today, let the word of God whisper to you today. Let the word of God reframe what you're going through right now. And say that God has the strength you need, has already provided it in Christ Jesus. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to earn it. You just have to receive it by crying out and saying, I do not have enough, God. I need what you have for me. This is the gospel. Let's pray together. Lord, we're here to learn. 
to learn your goodness, to learn your grace, to receive everything that you have for us. God, in ways that we haven't opened up our heart, opened up our life to receive more, for the ways that we have built on our own strength, God, we surrender to you. We ask, I ask, Lord, that you breathe fresh air, wind, breath, spirit on your people today. Reinvigorate lives. Shift thinking. Position and posture us to be everything that you've called us to be. Signs, wonders, miracles. Salvations, repentance, revival and renewal. We know you're at work, Lord. Let us be part of what you're doing. In Jesus' name. We hope you enjoyed this message from Horizon Church. To find your next step, visit horizonfam.ca. Have a great week.